Russell, welcome. Episode 154, and my name is Russell, and um, supping a, a good Welsh beer is uh, Hugh Davis. How are you, sir? I'm okay, thank you very much. Yeah, Snowden Craft, Snowden Water, I think, which I can taste. How about you? <laughs> I got a little glass of white wine, actually. And uh, we got Rich for the first time in a couple of episodes. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. I am drinking the classic water. Treating the body like a temple, like usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leon was due to join us, but... Um, was having parenting complications um to put it tactfully um so you may join us in in a bit and it feels so we've got two important games new new qualifying campaign coming up but there's this whole process of renewal rob page himself has used the the t word transition uh the last two episodes were tribute episodes to gareth bell and joe allen after their retirements or upon their retirements. Hugh, you joked on the WhatsApp that um, we now have a monthly, <laughs> our, our monthly tribute uh, retirement episode. Um, we could do another couple uh, for the likes of Johnny Williams, Chris Gunter, uh, Helen Ward. Just give a shout out to her as well. The all-time uh, Wales goal scorer, male or female, uh, have all um, uh, decided to uh, call, it, call time on their Wales careers. Create some vacancies. I think there's an interesting wider context, which we've touched on a little bit in the previous episodes, but obviously the, the dominance of personality, if you like, or, 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 or of status of the likes of, of Bale and, and kind of Allen sort of took over a little bit. But you've, you've got new backroom staff. Eric Ramsey, Nick Davis have, have come on board. You have had for a while a new under-21 manager in, in Matt Jones. Uh, he has a new assistant, Neil Taylor, is sort of back in the fold, so to speak. You've got a new captain. You've got those retirements. There's new sorts. It just seems to be this process of renewal. There's a lot of changes at the FAW, actually. So you do begin to see this. We talk about like World Cup campaigns uh, or, or, or those the four years between World Cup campaigns. And you hear this in rugby particularly as well. You know, that, that kind of four-year cycle. It does feel like we're at the start of a cycle and it's more maybe transitional than, than perhaps it just looks like in terms of the squad because there's no huge surprises in it. But we're going to pick it apart a little bit. I'm hoping Leon can join us because, of course, Tom Bradshaw is back in and Leon's long long been a, a bit of a champion for him. How do you see that wider context? Is is all of that relevant, Rich, or, 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 or not? Is all that just kind of fluff and baubles? How do you see it? No, I mean, I definitely think it's relevant when you look at the, the personnel who have left on the playing side. Bale is obviously the biggest the biggest one in terms of what he would have produced on the field but kind of in in terms of the backroom stuff i think eric ramsey coming in i mean he's got a really 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 strong cv and hopefully i think that's going to massively help the structure the shape and the tactics which we are going to need more in a post bail world and what's interesting with someone like ramsey is that he was appointed under solskjaer ten Hag comes in but Ramsey has sort of hung around, and by all accounts, Ten Hag has wanted, you know, very much, you know, it's, you know, he is the man, you know, it, it, it's kind of his appointments. It's, you know, he's very much the number one in charge, he's taking no mess. And we saw that with the, the whole kind of Cristiano Ronaldo affair. It's all like Ramsey is not only kind of kept on, but he's also allowed to take on on a, on a part-time basis. I think I'm right in saying this uh, assistant coach role uh, replacing uh, Tony Strudwick. Uh, Nick Davis has, has got the, the sort of head of performance. So, yeah, like you said, impressive CV. Uh, has played uh, League of Wales, Cymru Prem. Uh, his brother Alex Ramsey, who is the goalkeeper at Baller, I think. So he knows kind of what's going on in Wales. You get the sense, don't you, that there's going to be whoever was going to be in this squad, whether it was, you know, an old guard carrying on for a, a period of time or whether it was going to be, you know, a complete kind of, well, not a complete, but, you know, a relatively kind of clean broom. It, there's going to be that kind of like a different, 
environment, different vibe, a different, possibly even different culture in the, in, in the camp. Hugh, how do you see it? Yeah, a bit like that. I mean, I was surprised to, I mean, we'll come on to the retirements later, I suspect, but um, I was surprised to see a couple of them because it did uh, seem as if that changed the outlook of the squad a bit. But I think it must have been a conversation with Paige and these players, um, specifically Chris Gunter and Johnny Williams, about um, you know, whether they were going to have much of a place going forward. And it's quite possible that he'd said, look, with the way we're kind of trying to go with this, we just don't want players at that level anymore, you know, League Two level. But it means that there's opportunity for new players. But the interesting thing is that you're talking about this being regeneration and transition and all that. And you've also mentioned um, before that it's kind of constant transition in international football. And that's kind of how I feel about it with this, because I don't feel like the World Cup ended and... We so I didn't think like right. We need to get this whole generation out. You know, everything needs to change or something. We knew that Alan was aging and Bale and Ramsey were um, both not the players they were. But we've also been introducing young players over a long period. So a lot of our you know we've got a lot of good players now who are experienced in terms of how many caps they've won who are in their early to mid twenties. So we don't need to kind of start blooding the likes of Nico Williams because he's already played a lot of games for us and Ethan Ampadu and. Brennan Johnson to an extent as well. So I felt that like we didn't need a kind of clean broom, fresh broom, Ryan broom, don't think he plays for us um, anymore. But it's kind of felt like we've brought in a couple of the very young players like Luke Harris and Jordan James, although James might start playing for us soon, I think. And that the squad we've got already actually feels quite ready, in my opinion. And that's the thing, none of those... Un- so there's talk about four uncapped players, but they've all had time in the squad previously. I think at least one call up, maybe maybe two or three previously. So you know they're not brand new to the squad. So yeah, no, I think I think we're saying Cooper, James, Harrison, Broadhead. Yeah, because I don't know if Cooper did make it into the extended squad before the World Cup, or maybe he did. I'm not sure. He was kind of talked about. But the um, the other thing with that is the when we're talking about new players coming in. You know, before, you know, a few years ago, we were like, oh, maybe the next squad's going to see the likes of Colwell or Davis or Harris or whatever. But now the players we've been talking about, well, maybe we're going to bring in Nathan Broadhead, who's 24. Or maybe there's an opportunity now for Tom Bradshaw, who's 30. And um, for me, like I've been discussing, oh, do we need to bring Will Volks back into the fold? Or if he wasn't injured, Lee Evans, because we're lacking in central midfield. And it's like, well, they're 29 and 28. So we're kind of the strange situation now of the players we're talking about coming in actually would only be in the squad for a couple of years. And a lot of people don't want that, which is entirely understandable. But at the same time, you can't have such constant regeneration to the point that it's always jammed tomorrow. You know, At some yeah. point, you need some players who are ready now. And that's what we've been discussing. discussing. Yeah. So you mentioned Bradshaw. Um, back in, he, he's got a, you know, he's been in the goals of late. He's, you know, he's had a sniff previously, but um, you know, it was in the run-up to 2016. You know, having qualified, he had some caps uh, in the run-up to that. Uh, what, what did you, what do you think of his uh, return, uh, Rich? Obviously, we know Leon's a big fan, but yeah, yourself doesn't mean anything to me, to be honest. Looking, I mean, I guess you've got like Kiefer Moore, Brandon Johnson, Bradshaw's not going to get in ahead of any of them. I guess it'll be interesting to see whether Page and the coaching team can kind of find a role for him. But I mean, it really looks like he's filler. I mean. Kind of speaking as well about the forward positions, if you look down the squad and then at the goals scored, got Ramsey on 20 and then Kiefer Moore on nine. And then it's a couple of people on five. But the amount of squad members who haven't scored a single goal, either in midfield or 
attack is maybe it's concerning. Make it sound like we've been a one-man team for a few years. <laughs> it's true that we don't seem to kind of score many from set pieces now. The idea that like Chris Meffham and Joe Roden have just checking now played a combined sixty-nine caps, nice, uh, and no goals. Like that seems pretty remarkable, um, just for kind of a centre-back pairing, really. Yeah, good point. Thanks, Rich. Depressing. <laughs> <laughs> my issue with Bradshaw is, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm inclined to sort of agree with you generally, um, Rich, in terms of that. You know, it's a bit of a shrug of the shoulders because I can't really see anybody getting in ahead of, you know, James Moore, uh, Johnson, assuming he's fit, um, you know, up front anyway. But I don't think we play, I don't think we play, a, or we haven't, I mean, who knows what Paige has got in mind, but we haven't really played for a couple of years that sort of system that suits a sort of a fox in the box type striker like Bradshaw. I mean, the closest I can think of anyone who's been in the squad the last couple of years has been Mark Harris playing off the shoulder of a centre back, little runs in behind. But even then, I mean, the amount of minutes he's probably had for us probably barely amounts to a full 90. So, you know, however many caps he's had. So uh, I, I can see that, you know, I can see why there's a, a, a groundswell behind him, you know, getting a pick and deserving of a pick, perhaps. And I suppose it's always the messages it kind of gives out from the coaching team, you know, keep 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 plugging away, keep performing and you're always in with a shout. That 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 there's a positivity and there's a positive message to send out to players, I suppose. But I just don't see us playing the sort of game that's gonna suit a striker like Bradshaw. Um which is why I'm a little bit, you know, lukewarm about it generally. Yeah, I think I'd have agreed with you until um, fairly recently, and I do agree to an extent. Like that's his strength, but he's kind of at Millwall this season. What he's done well is he's put away his goals because he's never really been that prolific for someone we call a fox in the box. If you like, at least not in the last few years because he's been a low-scoring team. But he kind of, I mean, as you have to at Millwall, kind of puts himself about a bit better now as well. He's kind of um, having to go up for a lot of headers as you would expect, not because Millwall was some horrible ugly team but they still play relatively direct and he's kind of able to win those so I wonder if he's actually almost seen as a you like for like Kiefer Moore off the bench because you're right that he's not going to get off the and get in front of those players but then as we've talked before if if Moore comes off or whatever and we we're kind of committing then to changing the style of the game entirely especially with Bale now retiring because Bale was kind of slightly something more of a target man towards the end of his career as well so then it's um yeah say, say for instance we've set up in a certain way more comes off in just 50 minutes we would be tactically changing everything you know and although they're not exactly a like for like player and Brad, uh, they both kind of they're both pretty smart in their movement they're both decent in the air Keith Moore's excellent in the air whereas Bradshaw's decent in the air um and they can both score goals without being kind of truly prolific so I guess he's more more of a like for like that because we just don't have another striker who isn't a kind of five foot tall, nippy winger converted striker after after more. Yeah, yeah. And the other talking point up front is Brennan Johnson. There seemed to be a doubt about him being available, but he is available, although uh, not, according to Steve Cooper, likely to play on the weekend for Forest. So that's a, I don't know, it's a bit of a letdown, kind of like this new era, not a new era. Um, but, you know, suddenly. Well, not suddenly, but again, he's got 18 caps. He's been around for a while. But you think, you know, now is the time for him to, particularly as he plays on the right where Bale has played previously, 
stamp your authority on the first eleven Brennan and uh, picks up a niggling injury, which uh, is you know is always a, a, a risk, of course. But um, but I think that's because we hadn't always managed the, the squad well as we've come to it before. Like I think Johnson would have a lot more uh, two and eighteen caps sounds terrible, but I think he's probably started about four of those, and a lot of them kind of being late cameos. And we've seen that the goals he has taken. His composure is excellent. Like that's one of the things I like about him most. And you know, yes, he's quick, and yes, he's um, his movement's good, and he's got an eye for a pass as well. But compared to a lot of our forwards, I think he's like I trust him in a one-on-one in the same way I wouldn't trust Dan James or possibly even Harry Wilson. Actually, even though I like Wilson a lot, he's he's quite. Um, I'm not sure if clinical is quite right word, but he's certainly composed. He kind of doesn't really fluff his lines much, and that. In that regard, if you think about the games he has played for us, I mean, just off the top of my head, like came off the bench in the playoffs and hit the post and then kind of came off that he had like, there was a series of games where a few times in a row, he just made three sub appearances, but had a really good chance and came very close, like forcing a good save or as I say, hitting the post. So although he hasn't scored many, you're completely right. I don't think, I don't worry about that. Whereas with someone like Daniel James, I say five goals in 40, 41 caps, especially as, as we mentioned, he was always starting. That was always more of a weak link of your player on your front two or three. I think he's, let's look at this, he has started seven of those 18 um, and has only three times completed a 90, uh, which in three consecutive caps, actually, um, one of which he, he scored in. So that's the thing as well, isn't it? The goals against Belgium and Netherlands, I mean, it's like, you know, it's big opposition. It's kind of like, you know, take your chances because we didn't necessarily create a huge, huge number in, uh, in either of those yeah. games. Um, yeah, uh, saw him linked as well. I mean, his Twitter talk, so who the hell knows? But I saw him linked to Man City <laughs> as a replacement for uh, Mares. Did you see? See? Uh, do you see Johnson as part of the uh, part of a pet project, uh, Rich? Honestly, got no idea. Surprised if that was the case. But that being said, if um, if Brennan Johnson thinks and feels confident about doing that, and it was an opportunity, he should probably go for it because that, I mean that's like a career changer potentially. But I, I would still be quite surprised. <laughs> have to be, have to be. Well, yeah. It depends what he does in the second half of the season because he, he could go on an incredible run now or not. So that, that's probably going to determine what happens, you'd imagine. And if Forrest stay up or not. Yeah. Isn't it? Because I mean, he's their prize, probably their prize yeah. asset. Give well, take. if he scores another eight goals, they probably would stay up, you'd imagine. Um, that's true. So, yeah, we'll have to see. But I think, I mean, Johnson and Kiefer Moore is a really good combination, potentially. Um, but it just depends how, I mean, I've, I've literally got no idea how we're going to set up. I've been trying to work it out, but it's, I mean, it, until we see what the first selection is, we're just not going to know, I don't think. It's really difficult to kind of piece it together. And because that's a way against a really good team, you, there's a sense that maybe there's something that we're going to, you know, maybe we're going to maybe take something off our setup in order just to constrain them or to address a particular threat that they've got. So I think sometimes you know, you may even get, I don't, I'm still not sure we'll necessarily know what Page has got in, in mind longer term after the Croatia game, because you know, they're a great side. Yeah, I mean, it's bags of experience. I mean, the number of caps is just insane in that squad, even accounting for the retirement of like Salovran, you know, who knows, might be a bit of a hangover after the, the, the World Cup for them, of course. But um, I, I I still wonder whether there might be some questions after after that fixture, but um, yeah, we could maybe maybe come on to that. Go on, Hugh, you were going to say something then? Oh, I was going to come on to 
the um, the elephant in the room, which is our lack of midfield, because we're coming against a team whose strength is undoubtedly their midfield. I mean, when you play Christian, like I really like Vardial at the back now, they've got some decent defenders and they've got some decent attackers, but every single time you look at the midfield and it's a three of Modric still and Kovacic and Rozovic with other good options in behind, it's so you're like, right, well, that team is going to win the midfield battle if we let them. And either we kind of try to find a way to make it not about the midfield, you know, pass them if you like. If you want to just go that way out, then, you know, go full direct, maybe that's a way. But the squad we've picked certainly isn't amenable to try to out midfield them, if you like, because we haven't really picked any midfielders, <laughs> which I think is something that um, Rich and I shared an opinion on. But I just, I was, the thing I was going to share was there's a very good internet meme or meme, which is just... Um, it's visual, so I won't spend too long on it, but it's just a football pitch divided into three pieces. And in the defensive third, it says, job A, win the ball, stop goal, grrr. And at the other end, it's job B, score goals, get assist, woohoo! And then in the middle of the pitch, it just says, ball magically moves to the other side of the pitch, don't worry about it. Feels a little bit like that's our midfield tactics on the page. <laughs> I'm looking at the squad, and it's uh, on wiki as it's listed. There's a lot of width amongst those players listed as, as MF, as midfield. And there's two ways looking at it. You kind of go, okay, we're a little bit light in the middle, as you've done. Or you go, okay, Jordan James, over to you. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's 18. He's got a lot of minutes under his belt, as a stat you shared uh, a couple of days ago with us all. I suppose it would be helpful if someone like a Jordan James could arrive pretty much fully formed on the international stage. That would be helpful for all the sense that we're saying it's not a huge, it's, it's transitional, but it's not, you know, revolutional. It, then, okay, no, but in this middle of the park, mm, I'm not sure. In a holding capacity, because people like Cooper, Cooper and Harris, uh, as far as I'm, I'm aware of either player, are more creative and attacking threats. Well, that's why, again, somebody Rich can come in on here and interrupt me with if he wants, is that. We've had the discussion. We're not going to have it again, I think, about whether Ramsey works and who and all that. But if we say that we want to pick two midfielders who aren't Aaron Ramsey, then we've got um, Morel and Ampadu, if Ampadu's not in defence. And then we have in reserve an 18-year-old um, and um, in Jordan James. And I think that's it. Like You see, that it's that all Ramsey out of position. We'll say out of position or whatever. So we're almost committing to not trying to kind of play much of a midfield again and the reason that worries me is because that's exactly what's been our downfall of late so I'm glad that we're introducing a young midfielder but uh, it feels so backward to be saying oh I just think we should have called up a 29 year old from League One but the reason I mentioned it is because we need a midfield <laughs> a midfield I don't say any midfielder that's really kind of that's un uncharitable but um, it's a question mark and it seems to be a question mark that we're just at the moment avoiding and maybe that's a tactical thing but i just hope that we don't go into that game specifically um with that uh but it does remind me a little bit though going to croatia for this game and i didn't want it to be this way but a little bit of playing belgium in the first fixture of our last qualifying campaign in a sense of if you lose that the qualification campaigns are, uh sorry not the qualifying topping the group is over because Belgium always dismissed the Menos and everything. I don't think it's quite the same here because Croatia didn't have the, don't have the same record as Belgium did of just knocking aside smaller teams. But it does feel like, right, start off with the biggest, hardest game. If we lose that, it's going to be catch up from here on in. We can, I mean, potentially you could be seeing, like, uh, 
probably like is I was trying to sort of work it out. Maybe there's like a midfield three of Ampadu, Morel, and then Ramsey slightly further forward. But working with them as much as is humanly possible for him to do. Um, and then, but he's kind of there for leadership and experience and kind of managing the game. It's not really very, like Ethan Ampadu and Joe Morel isn't a particularly inspiring midfield unless Ethan Ampadu is ready to really sort of impose himself as like a leader on the pitch, which he's probably capable of doing. Um, but he has been playing centre-back or right side of three centre-backs at Spezia recently and, do, and doing pretty well by all accounts. Um, but the midfield's a really concerning um, area. It really is. And like Harry Wilson in midfield, I mean, not convinced by that personally, um, particularly in a game like this. I mean, I'd be really happy with just a very defensive, hugely counter-attacking um, or like counter-attacking when it's right performance against Croatia because a point would be superb, um, absolutely brilliant. So I, I'd be delighted with, with that. And I, I don't think that's impossible no. either, to be quite honest. No, not at all. Actually, you mentioned, Rich, did you say that you don't think the fixtures are too bad? Because if so, I agree. I quite like Croatia away first. I quite like it. The last thing you'd want is Croatia away last or towards the end where maybe there's like panic maybe there's like an absolute requirement for results yeah just just get the tough one done hopefully get a draw or, or even a win um and if you lose you know where you are and you've got the rest of the group to uh to go forward yeah absolutely actually i think i might have mentioned this in the cursed podcast that never got released um podcast bell draw after hours but I know I've just mentioned here that, <laughs> oh, well, if we lose that, we're playing catch-up. But I think I was talking more um, in that situation. I was trying to talk more tactically about how a draw would be fine. I actually agree that I think the general fixture list for us in this qualifying campaign is quite good for us. I mean, like we've had situations where we go, oh, my God, have we got that as a double header? Or we're not playing in a home game for three games or whatever. Whereas, as you say, starting away at Croatia, you've got to play them sometime first up isn't the end of the world. And at least immediately after that is in theory, the most winnable game in the whole group at home to Latvia. So even if you leave everything out on the field in Croatia, you need to back yourself to win that game, even if you're tired or have to rotate or whatever. Then, like, the other really difficult away game would be in Turkey, and that comes after a home game against Armenia. So again, you feel like, oh, potential for rotation, not to get cocky about it, but at least you're not, again, getting Turkey and Croatia back-to-back, say. And then, like, away in Latvia um, as a one-off, that's, that's fine. But then Croatia game in October is a one-off, so it means that you can just pair for that and play a friendly if you need to. Well, you have to, actually, by your overrules. But it's good that the Croatia game is a one-off, and then you finish off with, admittedly, a kind of grueling, bruising big game against Turkey to finish. But I, I agree with the order of the games as you look at them. But I, I do worry a little bit about two June games, Armenia away, in, uh, sorry, Armenia at home and Turkey away, 19th of June, uh, one, it'll be hot, and two, uh, what's that? Three weeks after the end of, you know, you know, playoff finals and all the rest of it, which for some players might even be five weeks after a game, notwithstanding the Armenia fixture as well. It's not, not. I don't, I don't think that's particularly helpful. But you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, back in the day, qualification qualification campaigns used to start in you know September, October time. So. Um, with this whole new kind of schedule and calendar, um, you know it's a lot. It's a, you know, it's a lot different these days. And um, 
but yeah, on, on paper, I think the order is 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 pretty helpful. As as the last couple of qualification campaigns have been, to be perfectly honest. You talk about Ampadu. He is listed as a as a midfielder. Um, the fact that Lockyer has kind of kept his place, he kind of stuck back in for the World Cup. He's kept his place. Gunter's obviously uh, you know, retired. You know, I get the sense that you know you, there's a lot of width in these players listed as midfielders because you know they're they're going to be you know Sober Thomas is going to be playing wing back. Wes Burns probably in there as a wing back. The fact that Lockyer's in there gives us an option in the middle, allows Ampadu to play. So Ampadu for me is is almost nailed on the start in midfield. Which and I you know I think he had a decent World Cup I think he was one of the few probably our best player bright yeah. bright bright spots yeah I think so personally that's where I thought longer term that's where he needed to be and kind of gives us that mobility in the legs that Ramsey perhaps lacked but I know Page has been really defensive about the last few months about the amount of case that Ramsey was clocking up in games in the World Cup you know was on a par with any other midfielder so they were, he seemed quite defensive about that point. Yeah, it's it's back to that two man midfield, which we've we've laboured to you know to the nth degree, so we don't need to go over it again. But on Ramsey, your thoughts on the captaincy? Because I think we all thought it would be Ben Davis, Ramsey vice captain. Maybe well, it feels like a statement making Ramsey captain here, especially with the raft of retirements in as a kind of he's not going anywhere. And I think they're both keen to make that because with Ramsey and to make a brief cricketing analogy like Stuart Broad used to get really and probably still does get really annoyed that everyone would just say when are Jimmy Anderson and Broad going to retire but even though he's like Anderson because they're the old guard and I feel like Ramsey well he obviously loves Bale probably has a feeling of like look I'm not tied to him just because because uh, I mean they're 18 months apart in terms of age because Bale's retired in of our career even if we had similar injury related issues or whatever so I feel if it's a statement from Ramsey saying, I'm retiring, as other players have, not criticising them, but just I am not. And Page saying, I'm sticking by him. I thought he was actually doing a role for us that we wanted in the World Cup and the best thing going forward. That's my take on it. I, I think Davis would be a better captain, not as a criticism of Ramsey, but just Davis has been showing his leadership on the pitch for us a lot lately. Always a very regular player. Shame with us, and that as well. He speaks Welsh, which is just a nice little kind of reason. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, you um, you dropped that a little bit there, Hugh, but I think uh, I didn't get the gist of it. I agree with you. I thought you know it was a bit of a surprise. I think there's an element of unfinished business. You know, he was only 20 when he got it under speed that first time. And there was a picture I saw on I think the BBC website. Uh, it might have been Nation Cymru. He's shaking hands with John Terry uh, in in um, the England fixture under speed at, at uh, the Millennium Stadium, and you know he, you know he looks very very young. And Terry you know, is the you know. You know, he's John Terry's that personality, a very domineering, you know, imposing kind of player character, and there is a, I think there's a sense of unfinished business there a little bit maybe on Ramsey's part. Um, uh, I don't for one second think that Page has given it the captaincy to him as some sort of inducement. I think Ramsey would have stayed whether or not. Um, I think it was interesting what has come out in the last couple of days from Page. I read in the press around, you know, messages then were shared about how much of an honour it is for, you know, Aaron and his family and things like that. All of which seems to be you know, going a little bit above and beyond. Because at the end of the day, the captain of, I mean, you talk about cricket here, I mean, you know, the captain of football is, you know, a far less important role than it is in cricket or rugby for that matter. So it's a little bit more ceremonial, really. So in some respects, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think we will end up seeing Ben Davis with the captain's armband at some point early in this campaign, simply because you don't get a sequence of games out of Aaron Ramsey. 
and and history just proves that. And that, that, you know, that's just not a criticism. So it sort of, again, just kind of reinforces that point. I don't think it really matters a huge amount. Well, I mean, I think initially I kind of figured, um, I can't remember whether I said it, I thought it would be Ben Davis or Aaron Ramsey. But I think now thinking about it, it makes sense. I really like, um, and, and it, I feel like it would have to be this way around with Aaron as captain and Ben as vice captain. And the likelihood is, I mean, Aaron isn't going to play every minute of every game. So you kind of have the guarantee of Ben Davis being there. So I sort of see it. So it's kind of like dual captains in some ways. Awesome to have two um, fluent uh, speakers of Kamraig as the two captains. That's that's lovely. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think and it's really nice for Ramsey, who in any other generation would have been like the generational goat or whatever. He's had to play second, um, second in line to Bale. So this is his moment where he can kind of reclaim the captaincy, which was taken away from him when he was younger, and really put his authority on what would be a mini Aaron Ramsey era um, of a couple of qualifications and some good tournament performances. Fingers crossed. Hugh, you mentioned, you know, Bale uh, retiring. I mean, I suppose he's, I know in terms of maybe a career and profile, they're more of a pairing. But in terms of, as I understand it, kind of like you know, friendship, you know, Ramsey and Gunter are about as close as as, as you're going to get in that squad. So, you know, it, it it's probably going to be a different environment for him, actually, going into camp without some of his closest friends, stroke, you know, longer term, um, you know, teammates. And maybe there's a little bit more then in terms of the, you know, what is required of a captain in this current phase that we're in now, or this new phase that we're entering, which although, okay, as we said, isn't hugely... You know, it's not a revolutionary change. It's a slower evolution. Nevertheless, what is maybe going to be demanded of this captaincy role is maybe a little bit different. Um, and Ramsey isn't necessarily the most, you know, outgoing. I mean, he's a little bit... I mean, I've criticised him in the past when he had the captaincy, first of all. Not just that he was young, but a little bit diffident, a bit quiet, a little bit more introverted. But um, there are different forms of captaincy, of course. So it's an interesting one. I'm not necessarily sure it's, you know... A bigger deal, perhaps, as, as gets made out in the in, in the media. I don't suppose, but it's you know it's a talking point. I get that. Uh, just looking at how many times he captained previously. Uh, have I got the stat here? He um, I kind of don't want to judge him at all on that captaincy because it was just the wrong time. Although I got it while we were doing it, but um, so I think he's a different kind of captain now, if you like. But something that he can't actually affect, but um, I think has a big influence. How younger players in the dressing room with him and I couldn't believe it and and then suddenly I'm his teammate and I just look up to this guy I played him as FIFA I watched him on this kind of stuff and I think with Ramsey that might be the case with some we already know what kind of um, idol worship bless him that Sorba has for for Ramsey <laughs> and I think that's probably the case with some some of the younger players as well I mean the likes of um, actually Oli Cooper's a bit older than I thought he's 23 but the likes of the players in their kind of early 20s I mean the, the teenagers might even be too young in fact but the, the early 20s who would have kind of been budding professional footballers at Euro 2016 and also seen Ramsey being a great player when they were teenagers. You know, Arsenal's influence as a player seems to... I mean, I don't know whether it has a, an effect, but it certainly gets mentioned a lot as an effect. But, I mean, for all of the talk of, you know, transition and everything else, you know, you look at the rest of the squad, you know, we mentioned Saul, we mentioned Joe Morrell in passing, we mentioned Harry Wilson in passing, uh, you know, certainly defensively and, and, and obviously the keepers. I mean, Wayne Hennessy. I wouldn't have been entirely surprised if he'd have announced his retirement. 
I mean, the longer it sort of went on, I, you know, I did wonder whether might, you know, he was still using a crayon to write his retirement statement. But you know, it just you know picks itself that defensive set and that and 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 the, and the three goalkeepers. So you know, there is an awful lot of consistency and caps in all of that. And I've just noticed as a bit of a curio, uh, Ben Davis only one cap fewer than uh, than Aaron Ramsey, despite starting his international career far far later. As an aside. There's a lot of continuity in there, I suppose, is essentially my point, uh, defensively in the, in the keepers. I mean, yeah, that's like the word transition is interesting. Um, another thing is we've lost players. I mean, it's, there, there, it's not as if we've kind of brought in, I mean, I'm sure Jordan James might turn out to be Pirlo rolled into Vieira, rolled into whoever. But as it stands now, we've lost players. And there, it's not as if we've kind of brought in a, like a, a huge, hugely promising generation of talent or people who are kind of knocking on the door. Um, that's not to say it's not going to work out really well, but um, I do. it does kind of think bear remembering. I mean, I mean, even someone like Johnny Williams, I mean, it's funny. You, you look at the kind of the problems in midfield, there could be a role there for him. I mean, Johnny Williams, as it stands now, I'd rather him in the midfield than James or Harris. I mean, that might turn out to be a crazy thing to say in hindsight, but they're 17 and 18. I've not played that much football. We know Johnny Williams has always been of a good standard. There or thereabouts, like never less than the six, I wouldn't say out of 10. So yeah, the the idea normally does buy something going in as well as stuff going out but it does it, it feels a little bit like we've just lost i agree with you on johnny williams i mean i i read into their both his and gunter's retirement statements well not into the statements into the timing of them page kind of phoning up and saying listen guys i'm not going to pick you you know in a couple of weeks time here's my reasons uh you know expecting to be disappointed because if they were going to retire kind of a hundred percent of their own volition I kind of get a sense the timing would have been quarter January time, as and when you know, sort of Bale went, and then maybe early Feb when jo-, jo Allen went. So, the fact that it was a little bit later and on the eve of an announcement suggests to me that they've been given a little bit of time and space to to make their announcements. And I, you know, I kind of understand that. I think that you know that's how this kind of thing works to a certain extent. And in contrast, perhaps how retirements you know were made under under, under Toshek. But I I do hear what you're saying about Johnny Williams is. Yes, he's he's in League Two, but he's not a League Two player. There is there's two different things going on there. And given the way his career's panned out, you can you can kind of cut him some slack and say, listen, he's found a club that can basically keep him fit. He's playing regularly. He's you know one of the main men in the Swindon team. You know they're doing okay. Let him enjoy his career while he while he's while he's you know still in his prime relatively speaking that he's in league two doesn't really matter because actually he's a player who's well suited in terms of his characteristics and his capabilities to to the international stage so yeah i'd have i was i was a little bit disappointed that he'd gone not in him but that he's he's finished and then suddenly you think well actually he didn't play a huge amount of football last calendar year for us. He's, he was only two caps in, in whatever, 10, 12, 13 games that we played. And not a huge number of minutes either. But you get a sense that he would still offer that squad and that midfield in that squad uh, something. So a little bit surprising. A little bit surprising. I agree with you. Definitely. It's as well, it's, it, it, was, it was funny. It kind of, 
when I was reading um, the article saying he'd retired, he's, he's 29. I mean, the situation is, but okay, I haven't been picked. I'll just keep on making myself yeah. available should I get picked in the future. I mean, it's not like he's 36. He's, tw- I mean, he's 29. Um, I mean, like a year from now or kind of a little bit into the campaign, if there's an injury crisis, would he be available to come quote unquote out of retirement? Um, I don't know. Um, that, that one, that was strange for me. I mean, he's like an amazing part of our modern day football culture and history. And he's a big part of the success, but I'm not really one for retiring from international football. That's a good, that was a really strange one. Johnny Williams. I mean, it, clearly he'd been told he wasn't getting picked and that's fine as well. But, um, yeah. Yeah, same as for me as well. Russ said in terms of disappointed as opposed to kind of disappointed in him personally, because in all of these situations, these players have got the rights to, they've they've earned the rights, if you like. With Johnny, I was just kind of a bit disappointed because I, like, this isn't an exaggeration to say he's the fittest he's ever been, and I don't mean that in the same way as when a thirty-four-year-old player joins a new club and the physio says something a bit kind of dramatic. He's played far more football in the last couple of seasons than he's ever played in his career. And he played um, 40-odd games for Swindon last year, which is about as many as he played in about five years for a time. Um, he's playing very regularly and playing very well. They've managed him so well um, at Swindon. And to be fair, they've made a point of how well they have managed him as well. I think I just have got to remember that statistic I sent to, uh, sent to you guys earlier. I, I do feel that we should almost share our WhatsApp minutes sometimes, but a statistic for you... Um, in terms of, yeah, here you go, goal scoring. 80, 80%, 81% of his career goals for any team, club and country, have been the last three seasons, and that's including this season. He's in good form, and he's and I think he would have been a good link for the squad as well. But, as you said, you can't blame him for it. It's, it's the decision he wants to make. And I think he, as you say, had been told it wasn't going to happen because his retirement came even later than Gunter's, only three days, four days before the squad was announced. There's another stat in that I think basically about 25% of his career performances have come in the last two years. I was was looking at them off the the back of what you were saying about the goals. You know, that is how many games he's managed to string together. So I don't know whoever's in charge of the, you know, the fitness and sports science side of things at Swindon, but uh, they deserve a pay rise because they've been able to achieve what, you know, the likes of Sunderland and Palace haven't been able to do and Ipswich and Cardiff and all the rest of it. So credit where it's due. Um, You did drop out a little bit there, Hugh, but we'll crack on. The technology really isn't helping tonight. Um, So um, any other final points? Do we want to talk about the players that shouldn't be in there or does that feel too negative? No, wait, no, don't, no, not that. Who should be in there? No, definitely (laughs) don't want to start just coating off players in the squad for no reason. So that was... That that was not the intention. Yeah, I only yeah. want to talk about Aaron Collins a bit because you saw him last you, night. Um, I mean, well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll start. I'll start, and then you can shoot me down. So, just I wanted to share again another statistic for uh, listeners who I don't know. On January first, on New Year's Day, he reached double figures for goals and assists this season. And um, as of the last time I checked, a few days ago, so mid March, not a single player in the football league had done that two months later, more than two months later, two and a half months later. Now, no figures on everything, but a bit of an eye test as well. I think he's got really good pace and um, more than pace, he's got some creativity about him and a good shot on him. He's kind of scored a few instinctive ones, if you like. Something you mentioned, Russ, is that he's playing a position where we're kind of stocked, if you like, kind of just off the striker. 
so he's he's always going to struggle to get into that position. But he's definitely someone to have a look at because the age of 24, 25, someone who's, again, done something that no one else in the Football League, the whole of the Football League had done and still haven't done months later, is someone I want to keep an eye on because he's just he's a good player. Certainly at that level, but then we're talking about players at League One level all the time. So I saw him last night, so hot off the press. And it's, you know, it's, to some extent, it's hard... You know, it's, it's unfair necessarily perhaps to judge somebody on a single performance, though, you know, if Rod, Rob Page was in the stand, then <laughs> that's essentially all he's got to go on, other than maybe other scouting reports and some of those stats as well. But started really brightly, very busy, right at the heart of everything. Bristol Rovers didn't play well. They're in a bit of a rotten run. Not for me. He, he, he went very quiet and then practically second half disappeared and didn't touch the ball a huge amount. So for someone I was expecting to be at the heart of everything, and, and, and for the first maybe 10, 15 minutes was, they created a lot of chances early on, didn't put any of them away. Wickham picked them off. Uh, and there's a streetwiseness to, to Wickham, but there he, he didn't put his authority on the game. And if you can't do that at League One at home, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so sure. And I was kind of led to believe, and I think actually most fans who just looking at the, the black and white goal figures and maybe opt to stats, etc., the kind of data you're referring to, see someone there as a as a striker who knows where the net is. He doesn't play as a striker and we are well stocked. So for me he's actually quite a way down based on what I saw. And like I said, maybe, you know you know, it wasn't his his best day at the office, but not 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 for me. Not yet anyway. You know, keep it up and yeah, who knows, maybe there's a maybe, you know, new season if he's still at Rovers, if he gets a you know move up but a division or something. Yeah, maybe. Because, like you said, there's, there's there's several strings to his bow. He was pulling wide, right. He was dropping a little bit. He was getting past the strikers. So he's quite a dynamic player, but probably nowhere near his best game this season, based on some of those those figures that you've just quoted and what I saw last night. Um, Ken Campbell, actually, who I know apparently has perhaps turned down a 21s call up. I was much more impressed with him actually. Uh, he looked very sharp, very nippy, very quick, and quite a brave player as well. He, he, you know, he put his body on the line a little bit, which you don't necessarily expect from slight, nippy wingers of his of his ilk. And he managed to get on the end of a, a cross for a header. Bristol Rovers are a big see. There can't be many taller teams in league in League One than Bristol Rovers this year, and he managed to get, you know, in amongst them all of them, put a header away for the Wickham's second goal. Um, he, he impressed me, so he's one to keep an eye on. Do you know if there's any plans for the likes of Davis and Colwell, or specifically those two, to play for the under 21 instead of the senior team? Because I think it would really help Cole. Like we know that he's not getting minutes, and his in, his injury. Like I get the feeling that Lamucci would use him if he could, but he's just not fit a lot of the time. And I just see no downside to him playing the under 21 and just getting some minutes up and some confidence back in. If he does look a, physically as a men among boys, a blue. Oak among boys, to use Mick McCarthy's words. Matt Jones was talking about um, Colwell playing for the Under-21s mm. today, and um, he said um, that that's the plan, and uh, Colwell is very happy to go along with that. Um, and Matt Jones was kind of saying how some players would not particularly react well to being brought down from the senior, but Colwell is absolutely fine with it. And uh, Matt Jones just wants to kind of get him dominating games and kind of getting a run of football, which he obviously is not getting at Cardiff, and just getting him involved in. I think there's definitely a really good player in there, but clearly I think it, it wouldn't have helped him or us to have Powell in the senior squad now. Yeah, um, Matt Jones was quoted as sort of t- as saying he's going to be 
he promises him tough love when he comes into the into the camp. Um, I had a little exchange earlier on Twitter. The Soccer Cymru account was saying, I don't, I don't hundred percent remember this if I'm honest, but you know, I'll, I'll take it, take them, take their word for it. Uh, Rabi Matondo turned down an under twenty ones call up, having been capped. So and sort of cited maybe an attitude issue. The fact that Colville just seems to have gone ahead, gone you know, gone with it uh, to date anyway. That does reflect well on him, and he probably probably recognises where he is in his career. And if he just wants games, then this is the best chance he's going to get. So you know why not? But that's the thing is that you want you want him dominate the game. You don't. You know, we've seen him coming on in the context of the senior squad. Yeah, fine. Get in you know ten, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes here and there. The odd start in a friendly, and he did well against the Czech Republic, and he scored that goal. But actually, under twenty one level. If he's going to a World Cup only you know two or three months ago, you'd expect him then to know, okay, here you go, under twenty one tournament, like dominate the game, you know, be, be the fulcrum, be the the person that just gets everybody else you know ticking. Yeah, just to say, uh, it was really interesting to hear Matt Jones kind of talking about this, and it, he's got a good idea of how he wants to approach it. But he he said he was going to put his arm around Colwell and show him tough love. Uh, which seems like a massive contradiction of terms. So I don't actually know what approach. Yeah, it's very um, an enigmatic man management style. Um, so that that would be interesting. It's obviously the right thing to do. It's the Leslie rules. They they, they do it differently, don't <laughs> no. they? Um, Does that be strangled? Actually, reach that high to strangle uh, Ruben Colwell. Match was quite quite short, wasn't he? If I remember. Um, okay. Um, technology really is grinding my gears tonight. Um, so I'm gonna have to uh, give the modem a good. A good thrashing to uh, to quote unquote Basil Faulty. Um, any other final talking points? There probably are some, but um, uh, I, we probably won't be allowed to get them out anyway. <laughs> we'll we'll come on to the the retirees later. Yeah, maybe they did. Maybe, maybe they deserve uh, an episode of the of their own. But I mean, it's, it's coming up. I mean, there's you know, there's the women have got uh, you know games coming up as a home international against Northern Ireland. You've got the twenty ones. You've got the C international uh, as well. So yeah, it's. Um, I mean, usually, I mean, the World Cup kind of distorted the calendar a little bit because usually we get nothing from sort of mid, late November through till about now. But of course, we had the World Cup. You know, relatively speaking, have been blessed. But um, I'm not sure we were blessed with our World Cup. But you know what I mean in terms of you know having international football. But it's coming around really quick and it's just jam packed. So uh, yeah, it's good to have it back. <laughs> Yeah.